At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Terry Kenny of Dublin, Ireland. Terry will get a marathon decal showing he watched 26.2 hours of his favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Princess Weeks, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 23, Episode 22, A Final Call at Forlini's Bar. Her public defender had 20 minutes for her. And if she had a competent lawyer, this might go a different way. Oh, Captain, nobody takes these DV cases. The women are either killed or they go to jail. Either way, they break your heart. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, Kevin. Uh, being here always helps me with my intimacy issues, so I yeah. really appreciate you having me back again and again. All right. Well, we'll keep working on it. <laughs> and rounding out the panel is our special guest from PBS's It's Lit and the Netflix Geeked podcast. It's Princess Weeks. Hello, Princess. I am so happy to be here and to also work on my intimacy issues. <laughs> so, Princess, you like to write about and review all kinds of uh, sci-fi and fantasy. Yes. Do you think they could do a superhero movie where Batman chases the Joker in the first half and in the second half it's all about him trying to prove his rights were violated at trial? Oh, yeah. There, I, I'm actually pretty sure that there is a episode like that in Batman the Animated Series where they all put Batman on trial and be like, you're the reason that we're villains because you keep putting us in this system. And then the lawyer's like, we can never arrest these people properly because Batman's a vigilante. So there's definitely a Law & Order um, episode to be had about how Batman and all of his rogues gallery are all special victims. <laughs> so, Princess, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. You know, a long time ago, I would have been like Bensler, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I really have grown to love Tutuola and Rollins. I, mm. I find their, like, weird problematic banter to be funny. It's nice to see him in the mentor role. And so I really like that with him um, and with Kat later on. Like, I think the older Finn gets, the better detective he gets to be and is a really good partner to, to his younglings. 
Yeah, a lot of people associate iced tea. I should say Finn. We always just call him iced tea. Yeah. <laughs> but you, know, you associate him with Munch, and then when Munch mm. is gone, it just looks like Finn is floating. No, yeah. With just pairing up. But yeah, I, th- I think he's actually officially paired with Rollins until yeah. he's paired with. I mean, his big yeah. Rollins moments were A, when he saved her from herself with the gambling mm-hmm. situations, like, right? And then also when he climbs with her into the water tower party, like the greatest <laughs> yeah. scene in the history of SVU. Yeah. So, yeah, I They're love them so together good. as well. Yep. Yeah. And who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Uh, for a long time, again, I really used to love, you know, Cabot and thing. But I'm like, I love Varva. I love Varva. Mm. I'm enjoying Carisi. I I don't know what it is about, like, the male ADAs, but they're just really, it, they have such a different energy. It's because you hate women. Just say it. <laughs> no, I, I am problematic. I am problematic. <laughs> um, but I think, like, I love that Varva is just so good at what he does and, like, is, like, we can't do that. Stop bringing me dumb shit. Because they will yell, they'll yell at Casey and Alex endlessly like, I understand how you could be arresting the victim. Um, Olivia, you work for the criminal justice system. I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is what they do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I got to tell you, it's made me so happy how many people we've had on the show who, like me, really like Carisi in this role. Like, oh, yeah. he's great. And, and I, I was so happy watching this episode to be like, he's really grown up. Like, he grew up fast. Mm-hmm. As the ADA, and I, the, I am fully embracing him as ADA Carisi, fully. Yeah, Absolutely. so you basically like any of the DAs that wear a suit and a vest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's something about that. And also just his, like, very strong New York accent. It's just, it just warms the cuckles of my soul to see him come in and be like, Yana, you know, just mm-hmm. like. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a big, heavy sigh, throws his his briefcase. Yeah. Oh, we what do you want me. from me, Rollins? <laughs> <laughs> the dick, actually. <laughs> I want you to be the father of my third child. And I'm like, I... <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 23, Episode 22, A Final Call at Forlini's Bar. By the way, it's called Last Call, fucking idiots. None of those writers have been out at 4 a.m. in New York, obviously. So. All right, so if only the super had got around to changing that goddamn lock. Delia comes home to find her ex-husband, Ty, sitting on her couch, even though she has a protection order against him. A short time later, while Rollins is walking her dog, we see Delia with a baseball bat smashing the hood of a police car. And because she's white, the cops do not shoot her. Yep. <laughs> Talk to her social worker. She's got a DV file 10 years thick, two failed marriages, a stent rehab, and today her third husband violated his OOP. She have any broken bones, any bruising? No, nothing visible. He's a pro. She's used to the beatings. My gut is he sexually assaulted her, put her over the edge. Delia tells Rollins that Ty beat and raped her, and she smashed the cruiser, hoping to get arrested so she could be safe. Benson acknowledges Delia is a bad witness in the past, having recanted or resumed the relationship with her abuser, but they're going to help her. Finn and Velasco bring Ty in on the protection order violation, but Carisi doesn't want to bring the rape charge until Delia's ready. That's when she FaceTimes Rollins, asking her how to get the order changed. Olivia can tell by her shifty eyes that Ty must be in the room with her. 
The ex tells the detectives Delia asked him to come over to fix the modem because she's a woman and doesn't know how to fix things with her lady hands. <laughs> Carisi has Ty arraigned on the rape charge and tells Delia to stop inviting him over. Before heading home, Rollins gets an urgent call. She and Liv respond to Ty's apartment. He's dead on the floor, stabbed in the back by Delia. Okay, so interspersed between our A-plot... There is a scene with Olivia in therapy with Dr. Lindstrom, a.k.a. Mr. Noodle from Elmo's World. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that she's struggling with unhappiness. Her friendship with Barba is on hold, and Lindstrom offers some love life advice. I think that you and Elliot either need to see whether there's more there or move on. This idealized relationship is hanging over you, it prevents you from true intimacy, Olivia, either with him with anyone else. So guys, is this the advice you would give Olivia, given that she is a fictional character whose agency is actually determined by an ever-rotating committee of scriptwriters attempting to advance the series and its weekly plot? <laughs> um, so he's basically saying, go get a room with Elliot mm-hmm. and then move on or don't, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Rollins said the same thing. <laughs> and I just, I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, the shipper in me is like, yes, I've been wanting you guys to pork since I was six years old. Um, <laughs> but the adult woman in me is like why are you all telling her this is all hr violations like and also what does this have to do (laughs) with her like struggling with everything this oh no just get some dick girl everything right yeah your hair will be great your skin will be like look how happy kathy was (laughs) until she died just you need a man yeah your acne will be cleared yes the only thing that will fulfill you is being with a man. Is being filled. Olivia. Yeah. I mean, God forbid, like, you just be fulfilled because of your, like, as she said, her career, her son thriving, uh, and everything else she's got going on in her life. The only thing, the only thing that's missing. A man. A man, yes. I don't know why they keep doing this weird dog and pony show. Like, either let's just have the episode open with them in bed together, or, like, let's just move on. It's, at this point, it's like the worst kind of edging. I'm not into it anymore. It's not being fun. So speaking of dogs, Delia is saved from getting shot by Rollins, who just happens to be out walking her dog. Hey, hey, hey. Detective Rollins, that's for you. What you see? She's crazy. Easy, 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 all right? And Rebecca, I will give you $100 if you can name that dog. Oh, my God. That dog has made so many critical appearances in yes. the show. Name it, name it, name it. <sighs> dog is so important you can't name it nope princess do you know it it's isn't it frankie or, or like it's franny yeah oh. by the way that is kelly giddish's actual dog I figured. yeah i figured that makes me so happy yeah all i can think though when i see rollins walking the dog is how does she have time for this dog right <laughs> i think like who's watching the children let alone walking the dog carisi's mom there's got to be piss and shit of different species all over that apartment her child care situation is like unbelievably yeah. expensive. Yes. Like, that's all Whenever they're about. like, I'm just going to have my, my, my babysitter just stay like 24 hours. I'm like, <laughs> Lucy. Hello, Lucy. I'm like, are these children? Like, I just, cause you know, I think of like teenage babysitter. Like you can't have a teenager in your house for 24 hours. And then they're going to be a special victim. And then you're going to have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when Rollins fills Benson in about Delia, 
Benson says, This poor woman. As if she has never heard a sad story in 23 years in SVU. It's always new. Yeah. Bitch, this is your job. It's not the PTA. It is always new. It is always a brand new day in the SVU as if they've never done this job before. Everything is a brand new. Like, you know how like on ER, mm-hmm. when they used to roll in a burn victim and it was like crispy critter in room one or like they, they were just so used <laughs> to everything. Yeah. 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 Why would someone get hit by a car? <laughs> Can you believe someone was a burn victim? Wow. Imagine if that were like a hospital yeah. like thing mm. every day in SVU. Well, he wanted to be a firefighter, so yeah, right. <laughs> by the way, then Velasco pipes up. How, how's this guy not locked up yet? By the way, $100, Rebecca, if you can tell me his first name. No idea. Joe. It's Joe, yeah, yes. I, don't, I mean, I should have just guessed Dave or Bill or something. Yeah. Velasco's all like, why isn't he Why isn't he in jail already? For fuck's sake with this elite squad. Why is he even there? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Why is he there? Why isn't Kat there? Why is I, it just- I'm still pissed about that. Like, to me, it was such a weird thing. Like, yeah, we gave you, like, this great black chief and this, like, finally a, a queer character, but they're gone now. Here's Joe. <laughs> Here's Joe, who obviously seems like he belongs an elite sex crime squad. No. I mean, it's like, is this the motor pool? Are they just <laughs> pushing people in? I said, it's like, you've seen a vag. Okay, you can join the team. <laughs> but I swear to God, it's harder to get into Applebee's than into this elite squad. <laughs> All you gotta do is be able to play basketball with Carisi, apparently. Yeah, apparently, that's it. <laughs> so Rollins befriends the woman who has a terrible taste in men uh, until you calls her for advice on FaceTime, right? Hi, sorry to call so late. Oh, that's that's all right. Um, is everything okay? I got a, a question. Um, I want to modify the order of protection. How do I do that? She wants to modify the order. It cannot be her decision. And in the middle of the video call, Benson signals to put it up on this nearby TV screen. And Amanda just goes, whoop, swipe right. <laughs> and it's right on the TV screen. Yep. And I'm like, can everybody in the squad do that with just one swipe? Unfortunately, yes. Because, like, for maybe, oops, there'd be a lot going up by accident. Exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Poor Joe. I crushed the candy. (laughs) (laughs) Joe is, like, throwing dick pics up on the screen. Uh, Finn is throwing his violent video game up on the screen. Oh, he he must love that. He must go over and just, instead of playing on his phone, he's got the big screen. (laughs) Oh, he's waiting for Phoebe, just like, come on. I shot that guy like six times in the head. Die, man. Phoebe, another 15 minutes, that's cool. I shot that guy in the head six times. <laughs> what it's was good, that? It's not good for a cop to be out in public saying what? that. I what know, was that? it was so weird. Because they established that he's really into violent video games, which just feels like an iced tea edition. He's like... So yeah. was Rollins, yeah. by the way. Like, right, that's how they bonded, yeah. was at that video game conference. They both bond over things like, yeah, domestic abuse is a family matter. Uh, <laughs> violent video <laughs> games are great. Bitches and hoes, am I right? Just like very... Yeah. But the problem with that technology, and I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I once saw um, a clip of a local morning TV show, and they have like four people on the couch, and there's one guy, and he swipes like weather photos off the iPad, just swinging, swinging, and then all of a sudden, there is a photo of a big hairy dick <laughs> on television. Naturally. And three people gasp, and one person just tries to play cool. <laughs> just keep swiping. <laughs> So we have a couple of Hey, It's That Girls. Hey, it's that girl. Can you tell me the name of the actress playing Delia? I can. 
You know her name? I do. All right, give it to me. Because I'm an Ozark fan. It's Jordana Spiro. Oh, yeah. Yes, yep. Yeah. So he tried to explain the reboot over the phone, and then he just said it would be easier if he came over in person. Yeah, you've seen her as the lead on TBS's My Boys, and as part of the mother-daughter Bounty hunter duo with Annette Tool and the Huntress. No idea what those. No, that only went. That was only for like a season. <laughs> but you're right. Most recently, she was Rachel on Ozark, the sweet bar owner who stole all of Marty's drug money and then later tried to steal his casino. Good for her. So, according to the celebrity website WikiFeet, uh, they rate her feet four and a half stars. Out of what? Out of what? <laughs> <laughs> Five. Oh, okay. Pressing questions. Yeah, oh, that's great. Those are great feet. Oh, Dan I'm, Schneider would have loved them. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> iCarly reference. That's that's rough. Oh uh, yeah, it is rough. <laughs> Fuck I, that guy. I'm sorry. Those are the facts I have about her. She doesn't have a very exciting personal life, as far as good. N- no scandals or anything. We love good to see her. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just good feet. Good actress too. <laughs> good actress. Yeah, good feet. We do have a hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who's playing the bad boy Ty? I love thee, but she is a mess. If I don't take care of her, she goes under. Uh, I think that's Derek Phillips. Yes, Derek Phillips. He was Billy Riggins on Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. A show I did not watch, but I, I heard I should. I thought you watched that show. I, yeah. I saw the Night movie. Lights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My friends were like, you'll love it. I was like, but I don't really watch football. I'm like, it doesn't matter. And they were right, because I cried yeah. all the time. That in parenthood. I was just like, yeah. I have feelings. when Derek Phillips was in high school he played on the same team as Alex Rodriguez Hmm. and uh, Doug Menkowitz is that baseball Uh, actually yeah it was the football team it wasn't the baseball team (laughs) so I gotta tell you on his Instagram he posted a video of himself lifting weights and he tears something in his scrotum (laughs) and then he posted it anyway yeah Relatable. <laughs> Celebrities, they're just like us. You know? <laughs> but he does it and he keeps lifting because he needs the gains. Oh my God. See, no excuses. Uh, so, can you tell me the name of the actor playing uh, Raffelli Barber? <laughs> uh, Am I saying that right? Raul Is it possible, given the small amount of blood that Delia saw, that she didn't realize the deceased was in mortal danger? Objection calls for speculation. So, you know uh, him from. Candy and Hannibal and nothing else. That's right. Uh, he also has, let's see here, uh, 121 Law and Order Universe appearances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big question. What do we think of the beard? Love it. Like it. Uh, rub it in my face. Just love, love it. it. I love it. I love so everything good. about it. Actually, his face looks better. I think he looks better with the beard. Mm-hmm. He's one yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It looks more complete. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk an awful lot about Barba in the second half good. of this. Can't but wait. I, why is he a character we can't quit? Because he's so... Hot. And also, he's got really good chemistry with Olivia, and he's got common sense. I love the three of those things together. So who's that playing trial division chief? Lorraine Maxwell. I was in an abusive marriage for 15 years. I got out. I didn't kill him. That's Jellicle Cat Betty Buckley. Yes, it is. (laughs) Also known as, uh, I believe she was the second mom in Eight is Enough. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. You got, now, so if you don't go to the theater, you probably remember her as Abby Bradford from Eight is Enough. The second mom, not Nicole, the first mom. Yeah, 
<laughs> hey, the first mom, the actress actually died. I know. So, yeah. I know. It was very sad. But I remember Betty Buckley came on the scene with her hot little MG, and we had the audience were all just supposed to be like, I guess they have a new mom now. Right. Cool. But it's just like that happened before I was born. So. Yeah, I know. I was really little. I remember mostly watching Eight is Enough and reruns as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Try to save yourself. I feel, like, I still. feel like it was like a white and Viv thing. So I'm understand, I'm understanding it the, was, the but except, except she didn't play the same character. Mm-hmm. It was like she was a second, she was a stepmom ah. to all of these freaking kids. Yeah, eight was really enough. <laughs> <laughs> so you've uh, seen her in this century on television on Preacher and on Supergirl and on the HBO show Oz. Yep. Rebecca, who else was on Oz? Elliot Stabler. And who else? J.K. Simmons. Who plays what? <laughs> All right, I just always have to throw that in. Uh, You know her rendition of Memories from Cats, and if you don't remember it, you will hear it a lot when you go to hell. (laughs) Hers is the only rendition of uh, Memory from Cats that matters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, One of her first jobs was as a journalist for the Fort Worth Press as... The Rodeo Reporter. (laughs) I love it. She had the rodeo beat. Love it. She has such range. I love her. Yeah. My favorite fact, though, is she once saved Rufus Wainwright from (laughs) drowning in a hotel pool. Really? Yeah. Was she there with his parents, the uh, Loudon Wainwright? I have no idea. Huh. Wow. I just didn't know that Rufus Wainwright couldn't swim. (laughs) I guess hopefully he can now. Hallelujah. Uh, (laughs) So we do have some repeat offenders. Repeat offender. Returning is Dr. Lindstrom. It's Mr. Noodle himself, Bill Irwin. Yay! You deserve happiness, Olivia Benson. Back as trial judge Karen Black, that's Amy Brabson. Walking back, Mr. Barba. And returning as medical examiner Abel Truman is Frank Wood. The victim was stabbed in the lower left side of his back. The blade pierced his kidney, nicked the renal vein. He is, by the way, the brother of our U.S. Senator Maggie Maggie Woodhassan. Yes, former governor of New Hampshire. Man, it's amazing to be on network television and still be the underachiever in the family. (laughs) Tell me about it. Lastly, did you recognize the perp? The perp? Yeah, there's this perp in the background somewhere. I don't know. It's one of these uncredited things. The guy has to run on IMDb and put him on there. That was uh, Kirk Kelly... You will see him walking around, though, in the upcoming Blues Big City Adventure from Nickelodeon. Oh, They're making a new blues thing? They're making a movie, feature-length movie. It G, is it Steve or Joe? It is Steve, <gasps> Joe, Josh, and oh, Blue. Oh, is there a Spider-Verse? Yes, I've heard oh, of this. Oh, my exactly. yes. God. Yeah. Well, Steve and Joe are cousins. It makes sense that they'd be in the same universe. Yeah, and Josh, well, they're all, they've all sort of appeared together. And, uh, by the way, it's it's Blue auditioning for a Broadway musical. It is amazing they got the cast together after Steve called Joe a punk-ass bitch. And then he called Josh a bitch-ass punk. <laughs> Okay, so when he's questioned about why he broke the protective order, Ty says that she asked him to fix the router. And Finn says, Stop. An order of protection doesn't have a carve-out for rebooting Wi-Fi. You know what that is? Sweet wisdom from Finn. (laughs) Wow, I know all these cues. (laughs) (laughs) So Finn and Detective Placeholder... Uh, are on their way. They, by the way, they're way too friendly with this guy, right? First, when they get him for the restraining order, they make off like, hey, man, it's no problem. Bitches, am I it's right? So yeah. But you already know the drill. Yeah, I got family on the job, and technically I know I'm in violation, but she asked me to come over. She, she was a mess. Yeah, well, no good deed, right? And after he's arraigned and he makes bail, 
they give him a ride home. Yeah. Like Chester Lake would have taken him to Red Lobster. I get that. <laughs> My point is Uber now. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's an important plot reason for that. It's so that we can see where he lives so that we recognize it later, right? At night from a different angle. Well, it has the it's very they make it very very recognizable yeah. with the graffiti on the front uh, door. Yeah. I was able with cues to recognize it later. I was like, "Oh, that's his crappy Airbnb because he says it very loudly as he's letting himself in with the key." Yeah. Mm. Right. That's where that's a Chekhov's something or other, right? Chekhov's graffiti's door. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So Ty was planning ahead, though. He took Delia's phone charger, knowing she'd have to come back and get it. Seems like a really good way to trick a girl into seeing you again. Oh, you left this behind. It's like a hanky panky thing, right? So mean. I was reading um, this book about domestic violence for research, and it's like every single subtle thing that he does that's not really subtle because it's a TV show is exactly what it says. Like, these are the manipulations. And it seems so small that you know that she's embarrassed to even discuss it because it's like, how do you explain to people, like, I needed my phone charger. They're like, why don't you just buy another one? And it's just to be like, that's just not how it works. We'll get into it. But it's just like, it just, it's like, I wish that the people who watch Lord Order SVU actually you know, absorb some of this information more so than just kind of going off the vibes. But uh, she's like, I only had one percent. I couldn't look up where to buy another charger. Exactly. Mm. We have to talk about the basketball scene. Oh, my God. Okay. So weird. (laughs) Carisi. (laughs) (laughs) Because Carisi tells Joe the moment he knew he was in love with Rollins was when she's giving birth to Jesse. You know, the complications. Doctors rushing in and I looked at her. She was. She was vulnerable. She was she was so strong, you know, the way she fought. Yeah, that was that was it for me. Was... The thing to me is like when 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 Carisi said that in my mind, I was like, that is the most Catholic shit I've ever heard in my life. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when she was dying, giving birth to this beautiful angel, and I'm just like, Carisi, thank God you're pro-choice because that was real. If you have, I didn't know yeah. that before, I've been very concerned. <laughs> <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Okay, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Delia tells Benson and Rollins she went to Ty's home to get her phone charger. He said she'd have to blow him to get it, then laughed in that way that she knew was trouble. I was in the kitchen, and I just felt like I had to get out. Like, like I had to get past him. So I, I took the knife off the kitchen counter, and then he heard me. And um, I just kind of stuck him to get past him complicating things is that delia let her attacker bleed out 
and didn't call Rollins for 30 minutes because, you know, the phone had to charge. Yeah. Benson goes to trial chief Lorraine Maxwell and asks for leniency, but she's not buying it as self-defense. Delia needs a real lawyer, and though Liv won't call him, Amanda asks Barba to take the case. Liv says that she is still hurt that he defended Richard Wheatley for car bombing Kathy Stabler. Barbara says that he misses her, and she says, talk to the hand, and walks out of the bar. At trial, Barbara is his sassy self, cross-examining Olivia and sparring with Carisi, but having learned by watching the best, Carisi gets Delia to admit on the stand that she didn't have to go to Ty's apartment, could have gotten a phone charger anywhere, and didn't need to stab him in the back. The defendant stumbles getting off the stand, and Barbara uses the recess to rush her to a hospital and get a diagnosis that she suffers from a brain injury from the years of Ty's abuse. The jury is moved to tears, and Maxwell offers a sweet deal to keep from losing outright. Now back at the soon-to-be shutdown for Lini's, Benson tells Barbara Delia is going to get the right kind of counseling. But that's when he rips off the scab. Why are you more angry with me than with Stabler? You don't know him. I know enough. Barbara says he gets how people act when they love someone unconditionally. And are you crying or laughing? I can't tell. I have to laugh because I was just like, Barbara, what? Like, <laughs> Well, he says he knows how people act when they love someone unconditionally and he loves someone unconditionally. <sighs> he leaves, understanding Liv is not ready to make up. But on the way out, she tells Rafa... I miss you, too. All right, by the way, the last episode, I made a joke about the Forlini's multiverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's this white tablecloth restaurant. Sometimes it's this scotch-sipping tavern. I have been corrected. Forlini's is a real place. Just like it says on the card, it's at 93 Baxter Street. Over the years, they have filmed there several times. They didn't change the name, like, Face Union yeah. or something like that. Uh, and it really was closing down. Wow. Uh, it shut down on April 1st oh. after 79 years. Before it could shut down, though, the city shut it down for failing a health inspection. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely a coincidence, I guess. There was evidence of rats, mice, and roaches in the food and non-food areas. God damn, Barbara. Do, do you know what I love about Damn, it's Barbara's fault. <laughs> you know what I love about Forlini's? I what? love about it. it's so it's such a New York thing, and you will know this princess. It looks freaking awesome at night mm-hmm. when they film there at night, and yeah. it's like all blue and atmospheric. When you walk there in the daytime, oh, it looks so shitty. So shit. Like it looks, <laughs> the walls are dirty. You can see the ugly track lighting. The smoke like what is it with the these pink leather banquettes on the it's, wall? Yeah, it's, it's a fan freaking test. It's very New York. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if your health inspection in the city turns up more than fourteen points, they won't give you one of those letter grades that you put seals in the window. Uh, Forlini's had. 45 points. Oh, God. <gasps> Barbara, yeah, no. So I, I'm sure they were shooting, picking up their feet as mice ran by. Oh, my God. All right, so the second half is really about Barbara, either in court or this rat-infested bar. So let's stick to the case for a moment. Carisi, we know, worships Barbara, and he mm-hmm. may feel a little intimidated by him. But they do some network-level bickering in court. Would you say she seemed more defeated? Objection. Anything specific or my cross-examination in general? I think that's what we've been missing the past couple of years. There is a spark in the courtroom scene that sort of potentiates the emotional temperature of yes. all those scenes. Yes, yeah. and, and Carisi is great at it. This is what I love about Carisi as ADA. Yeah. It's like he's been absorbing all the best of the best stuff 
and like he's able to deliver it and like I don't know I freaking love him and I love the two of them together like I really what would be wonderful in my opinion would be if they brought Barbara back as the DA Mm. like they can't because he killed that baby but imagine if he were the but that's you know I forgave him that is that that elected that's elected, right? Yeah. DA and yeah, he'd have he to go against elected? Jack McCoy. Fine. So, like, what oh, if man. he were? What wouldn't it be great if he were the DA and then Carisi got to do those office scotch sipping scenes with Barba and they get to strategize together? That would be so freaking awesome. It, it would have been good if Schiff were still alive. He'd be like, oh, I'm just kind of deal. My other question is, do people know that he killed that baby? Yes, of course they do. How, then how is he still a lawyer? I think he, how he still has his license is good. Yeah, really good <laughs> that is a very good question. But I, I think that he barbered it. He did something and he just was like, Your Honor, the mom said me to do it. You know, like he could, he could find a way around it. <laughs> to me, my my dream is that if the actor who plays Carisi ever leaves, that he joins Barbara and they set up a like a defense attorney, like little <laughs> thing together. And so every once in a while, like Rollins and them will be like, Time to call my husband. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, Creasy gives back to it on the next objection. He says, Your Honor, I know Mr. Barber loves the sound of his own voice, but could you please ask him to stop testifying himself? These are clearly the two people who are in love, right? Oh, yes. my God. I ship it so hard. I love, like, from the moment that Creasy was like, can I just can I just hang out with you? You know, get something. Bye. I was just like, these are two good boys. I want yes. every yeah. happiness for them. <laughs> Maybe the Barisis are right. These so, are strange times. Was yeah. Barbara the DA the whole time Carisi's been yeah. on the show? Okay, so yeah. Carisi, remember, was a law student when mm-hmm. he started in SVU. Yep. So Carisi was He had a his, mustache, too. Yeah, but Carisi, so, so Barbara was Carisi's, like, exemplar, mm-hmm. right? He was the one he got to watch being yep. a lawyer this whole yep. time. Yeah, to sit in on second chair just to get some experience. Yeah, yeah, so the thing you have to remember is, like, he's, like, he's basically, like, aping a lot of what he's seen like him do mm-hmm. and that's why it's he's like it's so great it honestly is it's like such a great like end to that arc to me it's like yeah. very very satisfying okay so let's stop here to acknowledge that this is today this is the most recent episode so the last episode of the past season in the latter days of svu it seemed it seemed that it was tanking around season 19 it did get some new life after dumping peter stone Yay. and moving carisi to ada and a year and a half ago, of course, bringing Stabler back. That was a big boon. But I feel like this year it's been kind of flat. It has the craft, but not a lot of magic in the episodes. There's little energy. Everyone's kind of reading their lines kind of slowly. They changed up the lighting, so it was a different look. Am I wrong about that, Princess? No, I think like I think one of the interesting things is if when you watch the show like in succession is that you realize that, like, they can only do so many storylines. So everything is, like, a regurgitation. Everything becomes kind of, like, NYPD Blue, where half of it is, like, their personal drama that I could, like, give or take. I find the show is just so inconsistent and not exciting anymore. And I don't really know what it's lacking. But I definitely think that no one has sort of come up to meet the moment except for Barbara, because Barbara's the best. Yeah, I think this was the best episode of the season, in Agreed. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I think, except for the one moment where she mentions Wheatley, because I do think the problem with this season has been the organized crime creep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So organized crime has built a universe that's supposed to be more real, grittier. Like the squad room looks like a real place. Like the set, the sets are much more NYPD bluish. Mm-hmm. Like 
you real like natural light coming in and svu has always had an artificiality like you see the faux painting on the marble columns or whatever and they're trying to bring in more of that like uh organized crime universe into Mm -hmm. svu and it does not work because svu is a heightened reality that does not work when you try to make it more realistic it just doesn't and so i feel like the toned down more naturalistic approach to the show it doesn't work. This show works when it's more sensational, frankly. So the look and the feel of the show, I think, continues to change. Like, back in the golden days, most of the episodes had these cutting one-word titles, like Damage, mm-hmm. Payback, Competence. These are some of the episode titles from season 23. Nightmares in Drill City. Ugh, 18 terrible. Wheels a Predator. Once Upon a Time in El Barrio. And <laughs> Sorry If It Got Weird For You. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, they also celebrated their 500th episode. You know what the name of that was? What? The 500th episode. <laughs> Terrible. So what re- really saves this episode, I believe, is the interplay between Barba and Olivia, this fan service that they've mm-hmm. done. So there is this lingering tension between them, and that is because earlier in the season, Barbara agreed to defend Richard Wheatley, who gave the order to do the car bomb that killed Kathy Stabler. Now, he says, Barbara says, because... Any other defense attorney would rip Olivia apart on the stand over her relationship with Stabler. He says he was protecting her, but, you know, he still hit her on cross-examination for letting Stabler in the interrogation room with that dude that he nearly beat up. So anyway, that's what's there. They met at Forlini's twice in this episode. The first time, anybody noticed they didn't make eye contact? They looked at each other through the reflections in the mirror? Hmm. It's clear that Barbara wants to reconcile, but that she doesn't. Cabernet? I can't stay. It's possible to sit with someone and have a drink and not say a single word to each other. I miss you. I gotta go. And then we get to the final scene. Two major exchanges here comes out. First, he asks what we've all been asking. Why are you giving Stabler a pass? Yep. What I don't get, why you feel more anger at me than you ever let yourself feel towards Stabler. You don't know anything about my feelings for Elliot, and you don't know him. I got a glimpse. I've known him for 23 years, and he always had my back. And you grew up without a father to protect you? Please and don't. That please means. don't. I grew up in a home in a neighborhood where I got bullied. We're going to see him through different prisms. Is Barbara wrong about Livia's selective forgiveness? No. no. Next question. <laughs> yeah. Okay, next question. All right. Rebecca and me get it. <laughs> so secondly... He blurts out. That's all right. I get it. That's what you do when you love somebody unconditionally. Please don't tell me how I feel. In this case, I can because I do know what it means to love someone unconditionally. When you're ready to stop feeling betrayed by me, I'll be here. The inference is that his love is for her and it's romantic. So what is your reaction? I'll start with Princess. What do you think? I think everyone should to fuck Barbara, so I like I get it, but but it felt kind of like when Peter Stone was like, "I have feelings." I'm like, they can just be friends. <laughs> like, yes. I, I also just felt like it was it was for the shippers because I've never gotten the even a whiff that Barbara has romantic feelings for Olivia. I felt like like they definitely had like a deep friendship, but like I I could see him sleeping with Carisi before I see him sleeping with Olivia, even though yeah. I I am into both of them, but I just. I just never saw it and I and I don't see it and I think it was just like fan service. 
I don't think it's the makings of a love triangle. And if it is, I will be very annoyed. <laughs> Rebecca, have they lit the fuse on a war between the Benslers and the Barsons? I think they're trying to. Mm-hmm. But here's the question I have, right? There's this assumption with these writers uh-huh. that if she gets together with Stabler, like their chemistry will die and there will be no more show. I don't necessarily think that that's true. Yeah. Like there are plenty of shows where you put your, um, you know, your people together mm-hmm. and it's still hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just dragging this out for way too fucking long yeah. for this reason. And this scene was another reason to drag it out more. It's like now she, we're going to be wondering, is she now going to be having to choose? Is that going to be a whole fucking plot line in the next season where she's going to be like, I'm going to go out with Barbara now. We're going to have to live through that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, I feel like once she remembers what Velasco's first name is, he might have a shot, too. Yeah. yeah. Also, is Olivia like, does she have like incredible pheromones or something? <laughs> I believe it. I mean, she is. I mean, her mother was Jane Mayfield. She just has it in it's true. her. But I just that's I totally agree with you, Rebecca, as usual. There's there's nothing's going to be lost here. I would just rather they do it and let them have sex. And just every let, week, every week it can end. Every week, isn't Friday Night Lights a great example of that? Right, yeah. hot married couple that everybody like thought was hot the whole time. Right, like yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Get them together. We can just enjoy it, and then we can go back to salacious sex crimes, it's, just like we've been enjoying for twenty something years. Exactly. Why can't we just have nice Catholic sex like Carisi and Rollins? <laughs> exactly. Right? See, getting them together, totally was, missionary. But that's that's a great lesson for the writers. Mm-hmm. There was tension there forever, right? Yep. It was that that was that was a story. They dragged out for what, like eight years. Mm-hmm. They're together now. It's completely enjoyable. I like if they broke them up, it would be so stupid. Yeah, because their being together actually adds. It adds opportunity to storytelling. Does not take away from storytelling. And this episode is a great example of that. All of Elliot's kids think he's fucking her. Haven't thought that they would. They were fucking since they were like teenagers. So it's like <laughs> you know, if she's like in a position to be like a stepmom, that's a whole thing. Elliot being the stepfather of like an eight-year-old gay kid you know like those are all organic conflicts that would make the show richer but just making olivia seem like she's sad and alone because god forbid she'd be a single woman with a career is just really gross and and silly yeah and you know the next thing they should all do get a dog (laughs) bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home. The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. Some plot points for this episode were taken from the 2010 case of Marissa Alexander, 
The Florida mother of two filed a restraining order against her estranged husband, Rico Gray. He had texted her death threats before storming into her home with his two children. Fearing for her life, Alexander tried to flee through the garage, but the door wouldn't open. Instead, she retrieved a handgun from the parked car and returned to the kitchen. As Gray again threatened to kill her, Alexander fired a warning shot, which ended the confrontation. Instead of arresting Gray, police nicked Alexander. Authorities believed it wasn't a warning shot because it went into the wall and not the ceiling. Though she claimed self-defense, the jury convicted her in 12 minutes. And because of a Florida mandatory minimum law for a gun crime, Alexander got a 20-year sentence. In 2014, Alexander's conviction was overturned on a technicality. The state attorney threatened to retry her for endangering not only Gray, but his children too. If reconvicted, she'd get an automatic 60-year term. But feeling public pressure for seeking such a hard penalty when no one was hurt, Alexander was offered a plea for time served. Today, Marissa Alexander is an advocate for domestic violence survivors and against mandatory minimum sentencing laws. So Florida, in its wisdom, uh, yep. has a stand-your-ground law. So if you feel your life is threatened, you can fire a lethal shot and face no jail time. In 2010, the law did not cover warning shots. So if she had killed him, she might have gone home. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. I remember this case. This was very frustrating for me when I was reading about it before. It's so fucked up. Because it's like, where was the NRA for this one, guys? You yeah. know, like, <laughs> where were you guys with all your stand your ground bullshit? Like, how is this? It's gross. This isn't the case I thought this was going to be about, by the way. I'm really surprised. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. This really pulls from a lot of different cases. Yeah. Very, it touches on issues and themes that do permeate this, that basically they say it further proves the point that for survivor defendants, the only good victim is a dead victim. Absolutely. Right. And the most famous case of that in current, like like current, and it's in New York, is the Nikki Adamondo case, yeah. mm-hmm. which was the subject of the great podcast, Believe Her, which I like suggest that everyone listen to. It was like one of the best podcasts that came out last year. And it's about a woman who killed her husband while he was sleeping, probably, mm-hmm. because he'd been abusing her for years and years and years. And just like in this case, there had been a very thick social worker file documenting the abuse so everyone knew she was an abuse victim yet she was tried for his murder anyway in a different county like that's what i thought this was going to be about yeah prosecutor angela corey's threat to seek a 60-year sentence jesus drew a shitload of criticism protesters said that it was racist and detrimental to victims of domestic violence i would say though i'm not a hundred percent comfortable saying that domestic violence victims should use lethal force to protect themselves. Me too. <laughs> okay, no, well, that's fine. Well, I mean, here, well, here's what I would I say. I don't think anyone is should is, you know get a free pass for lethal force in, in any circumstance. So it kind of fits with my philosophy on that. Mm, but I, you can tell me I'm wrong. No, 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 I, I, okay. I, well, what I, would, what I would say is not so much that you're wrong, but I think that the mentality is that there is this assumption that they are doing this for like revenge or right. yeah. you go back to like the Francine Hugate with the original burning bed story. You know, the whole idea was like, well, why didn't she leave? Like, why did she wait until he was asleep? And it's like, you really cannot account for like the years of sexual and physical battering, what that does to your psyche and to your fight or flight response, especially when there are children involved. And so I think what's more egregious is that like that, does it matter? I think that we have this assumption because of 
media and honestly shows like law and order that like if you were a victim and you can prove that you did this to protect yourself that you're just going to get off and like that's just not the reality most most survivors who kill or did any kind of response of violence to their attacker are in jail you don't yes. get mm-hmm. and i think that's the that's the discrepancy like she didn't even kill her attacker she didn't kill this man and yet yeah. because it was near him and his children and his children it had to be punished. And I'm like, but that doesn't even track with the gun laws that we have in this country <laughs> to, yeah. to like, to say like, because she simply fired a warning shot, she's going to get 60 years. It, it's so disconjointed. And I think it just, as you said before, it says that the idea that you have to die to be believed. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. And Kevin, mm-hmm. I want to clarify what I said. Of course, like, being violent is like not the first choice for any situation. However, yeah, and that's kind of what yeah. I'm when saying. Women, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, when, but when women take every other avenue, nothing happens or they die. Yeah, and yeah. that's and that's well, why if they're in a position in that moment they feel like their well, life is. But that's the whole thing. Danger than, but, yeah. But right. when they when they leave, that is when they get murdered. Yeah, that's right. like that's yep. statistically is shown. Like most murders, domestic yep. violence murders happen after the woman tries to yeah. leave. And so in it's this like, case, why didn't Marissa, she leave? Yeah. Why didn't she leave? Because she knew she'd probably be murdered. Why didn't she go to the police? She probably did. They didn't believe. Like. When everyone says, why didn't she do X? She may have done it. Or if she'd done it, that's when she would be dead. So like, yeah. that's why I say I don't blame and I do get it. And I and I just think we need to stop thinking of these things as, as the same things as other kinds of violence. I just think we need to put them in a different category. So as I said, Marissa Alexander today is an advocate and public speaker. She also works on topics like co-parenting after abusive relationships and self-care. Each week she has a call-in show to discuss these topics. It's on Facebook Live. And as someone who has had a show on Facebook Live, I can tell you that's one place you can guarantee no one will ever see it. (laughs) That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Princess Weeks. Princess, where can our listeners follow you online? Thank you so much. I like this is my favorite Law Order podcast, so I'm very happy. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Weeks Princess. I have a YouTube channel where I talk about pop culture and all kinds of intersectional gobbledygook. Uh, and at, not on Facebook, but keep going. Yeah, not on <laughs> Facebook. Not not there. Uh, it's scary there. <laughs> on Meta uh, as Princess Weeks, and you can find me on the Netflix Geek Podcast Weekly. And uh, my podcast on PBS, PBS It's Lit. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, of course, on my podcast too. But on socials, I'm at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega at Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media Every day, our world gets a little more connected But a little further apart But then, there are moments that remind us To be more human 
Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.